You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Our Father, our Maker, our Redeemer, the one who loves us endlessly, extravagantly, recklessly, ha! The one who will do anything for us. The one who leaves the 99 and chases after that one. And you are that one. You and I, we are the one that God would leave the 99 for and come chasing after. We thank you for the quality of your love. We thank you for the depths of your love. We thank you for the potency of your love that is able to restore. That is able to redeem that is able to retract from darkness, that is able to correct. We thank you for that love that keeps chasing after us. We are so thankful. And we just want to say, Father, that you would reveal your heart to your children this morning. Us all, you have a word for us. We ask that our hearts are open to receive all of you, the fullness of you this morning. And that our lives will not remain the same again. Amen in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. So good morning again and welcome to church. Thank you so much, Ban, for that a beautiful, special song and for, for just leading us in such powerful uh, worship. Okay, so um, how many of you were able to participate in the singles hangout? Yeah, I heard it was really really nice. I heard it was really good. Uh, I mean, I'm not single, so I couldn't have. Um, yeah, but anyway, I heard it was, people had an amazing time. I kept seeing the, the charts and the shades and different things just flying around, you know, on the WhatsApp group. But uh, if you didn't, if you missed it, I think you can still catch it on YouTube, yeah? It's available on YouTube, so just catch um, both uh, the two days, the recordings or replays are available on YouTube. All right, so this entire month of um, September at the Elevation Church, we have been speaking about living and loving. We've been talking relationships, living and loving. And, you know, at the LifePoint Church here, we also, uh, the Elevation Church is our mother church for the benefit of those who are worshiping with us for the first time. And so we've also been talking about relationships. Um, how many of you enjoyed last on this uh, panel session and the message from Pastor Godman? Yeah, I, I, it was such a beautiful service. We're continuing today, and I will share briefly and invite someone very dear to the house, to me, um, upstage to, to just, we would have a conversation and essentially just preach this message together. But we have spoken about different spices, um, Spices that enable us have thriving, vibrant, um, and fulfilling relationships that lead to marriage. Okay, uh, so the, the spice of priority, the spice of um, openness, okay, the spice of purity. And today we're talking about the super spice of vulnerability. Of vulnerability, yes. Um, for those who are, I mean, if you've been with us for a few years now at the Life Point Church, you will know that vulnerability is one of our, I was going to say core values, but I just remember this is church, this is not an organization. Okay, but it's such a big part of us. It's, it's, a, it's part of our culture. When people come upstage here to share their God experience, they're essentially revealing their lives to, 
to you. And I mean, a lot of you guys, they don't even know. You know, they come and tell you, oh, here was I. I was like this, but now I'm like this. God took me on this journey and he's still taking me on this journey, you know. Uh, and they come and they just share their, their life's journey with us. And we're so thankful for everyone who gets on stage here and shares their God experience and their journey with God so far. Uh, we're very appreciative. So if you want to share, please, please see Ejiro. Where's Ejiro? He's in service. Just wave. And if you're online watching and you would like to share with us your God experience, please just put it in there. Um, one of our ministers will reach out to you. They will give you an email address where you can email us your God experience, and we will be happy to, you know, uh, share it on stage on your behalf. Okay, so um, vulnerability is such an important spice for a thriving relationship, not even just a, a dating relationship now, you know, uh, and I'm sure you're, you're probably wondering, I mean, outside of dating, why should I, why do I need to be vulnerable? But even in, in management, you know, the more you go up in the corporate world, they tell you, you have to be an authentic leader. You have to be a real leader. And part of being authentic and being real, there's a bit of vulnerability that you have to have, you know, so that when you're engaging with your teams, they can see that you are human. You're not just a robot who's concerned about getting work done only. They see that you, you are prone to mistakes and it's okay to own up, to say, oh, I goofed here. Here's how we're gonna cost correct, okay? But more importantly, in, in a dating relationship or in a marriage, you know, it is extremely important that um, we're vulnerable. And our anchor scripture so far has been Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 24. Genesis 2, 24. Can I have it up, please? Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Okay, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, 25, verse 25 is what we're focusing on. Is what we're shining the light on 25 today. And it says, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We want to talk about the concept of being naked and unashamed. What does it mean? Especially in this day and age, we're in a generation where we struggle to be open. We struggle to be real. And when one party becomes real and, you know, shares, you know, some, some parts of their life with the other party, usually it's a red flag. We, we, we see it as a red flag because we have been conditioned, our minds have been conditioned to believe that if someone does something or does, yeah, if someone does something repeatedly in a dating relationship, there's a high likelihood that the person would not necessarily change in marriage. There's a high likelihood that the person remains that way. You know, and just, there's so much going on. There's so much information. There's relationship 101, a ton of rules that we're, we're, we, we literally live our lives and, and our relationships by, that we subject our, our relationships to these rules. A lot of them are good, and I'm not faulting um, the good ones, but there's some that we need to put side by side with Scripture and see if it measures up to what God would have us. Because God's original intention was in marriage was for us to be naked and unashamed. And I, I want someone here to just step away from physical nakedness for a bit. Just leave that area. Because that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about just having sex. 
I mean, sex in marriage, obviously, yes. If you're not having sex in marriage, if you're married and you're not having sex, there's a problem. If you are not married and having sex, there's a problem. Yeah. So, um, but that's not what it is. It looks like our world, our generation, we have prioritized naked and unashamed in relationships over and above that in marriage. I mean, physical nakedness and intimacy and sexual intimacy. Okay? So I'm going to be inviting um, Pastor Dami upstage. Yes. She is the one and only wife of Pastor Tuluade Lowo. And she serves here at the Life Point Church as one of our pastors, okay? So she and I will be talking about the concept of being naked and unashamed. She's going to share with us her journey. Please come up. She will share with us her journey um, in dating, how she and Pastor Tolu got married, okay? Um, the challenges they had, and we're, we're going to be just talking about vulnerability, and I'll be asking her a couple questions and stuff, okay? So thank you for doing this, sis. Thank you for having me. All right, um... Okay, so, um, so... Sorry, someone said my network is breaking. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, but I trust everybody can hear, because I can hear loud and clear, but I know she's very close to me here, so... Um, yeah, so tell us this, the journey. Just tell us how did you and um, Tulu meet, and what, who was who? In, <laughs> you and I have spoken, so I know the story. So just give, give for the benefit of everybody listening, just help us understand the history. Great. Okay, thank you everybody. My name is Damilola. I'm married to Tulu Adilo, as Pastor said. We've been married for seven years now, two, year, two weeks ago. Yes, and um, it's been an interesting journey. How did we meet? So very interestingly, um, we met at a mutual friend's wedding and um, we had kind of known about each other but we hadn't really spoken. So at that wedding, we had the opportunity to sit next to each other and we spoke a lot. And, you know, a lot of what we spoke about that night, obviously apart from joking and just generally talking, um, was, you know, about ex-relationships. We were both single and um, he was asking, how can you be single, you know, trying to be slick. <laughs> You know, when the guy says, ah, how can you be single? You're so fire, yeah. Anyway, so I was, um, you know, telling him about past relationships, and he opened up about past relationships too. So that's how we met, and... So from day one, you guys had discussed your exes. Yes. That's bold. <laughs> <laughs> so not intimately, but, you know, generally, and I, I... One of the things that I liked about that was his vulnerability, because he spoke up about an ex, his most recent ex, and how it had ended in heartbreak for him. And I shared my stories too. So anyway, moving on from then, we got to know each other better. Um, now, just to frame that, I, at the point, I was saved, sanctified, holy. Man, tongue talking, <laughs> hallelujah, tongue shouting speaking. sister. <laughs> at that time, Tolu was just discovering and rediscovering the love of God. So, so, so no, we, we, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's help us understand. He was not born again at all. It was a, what, no, what was he? <laughs> no, he was born again, but... Um... <laughs> yeah, and we, yeah, somebody said he collected his life back to Jesus. As I said, so they were co-managing his life at the point. <laughs> so he was still involved in a lot of um, 
maybe not so godly activities in different like areas what? of like his life. Okay. He was still having <laughs> sex. You guys know I still have to go back to home. Please, oh. Pastor Tony. <laughs> but in the interest of vulnerability, yes, yeah, so he was still, of course, sexually active. Um, he was clubbing. He was, you know, very much living uh, uh, an interesting life. So, help us understand. Now, you, Jesus, baby, and then bad boy. Yeah, because, I mean, that's technically what it is. So, how did you, how did you make the journey? Like, when you heard all of that story, was it a turn off? Was it, how, how did you feel? To be honest, it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't a turn off because he did have a foundation in Christ. And interestingly, when I met him, he was actually in the process of going back to Christ. So he was in the middle of doing Alpha course. Exactly. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. He was, you know, he said this time he wanted to really know God. He grew up in a very Christian home and he wanted to sort of discover God for himself and he was on that journey. And so for me, I thought, okay, that's interesting. This is someone who has a heart for God. He's a Christian. Fine. He's not, uh, you know, your spiritual thermometers were not uh, yeah, in yeah, sync. Yeah, but I definitely saw a heart for God when right. I met him. So yes. you went on the strength of the heart that you saw. Yes. Okay, yes. because you know how it is, we typically in, in, in Christendom, we say, oh, the guy has got to be God-fearing. He has to really demonstrate that he loves Jesus. He must, you know, we, you t we, we would typically not advise or encourage people to um, go. We, we say things like, be, do not be unequally yoked. Knowing that, I'm sure you knew that scriptures at that time. What was your, how did you handle that? Being unequally yoked and seeing someone, I mean, yes, he, had, he was on, a, on the path. But were there times in the relationship when you guys started dating that you felt like this is wrong? Like, no way, I can't go any further with this. this I cannot be married to somebody who's, who's a certain way. Definitely, there are certain times when I felt what am I doing? Look, to be very honest, at that point in my life, I was leading a singles ministry. I was prayer warrior. I was all that. So in my mind, I had seen the man of God I was going to marry. He was going to wash me with water like the word and things like that. <laughs> that was my vision, you know. But when I met my husband and I really liked him and I connected with his heart, you know, of course, prayerfully, I prayed about it and I, you know, had enough peace to explore the relationship. When we started the relationship, of course, the first conversation was around physical boundaries. His own and my own were very different. So he said to me that, look, I understand where you're coming from. I have just one rule. If one day we do something, you can't stop again. So if you say, <laughs> if you say you don't want to do this, then don't take me there. Let's just stay where we are. But I don't want to hear you made a mistake, you went there, let's go back. No, I don't play wow. that. So wow. I said, okay. <laughs> Interesting. That was, that's what he said. <laughs> but it was good because it kept me on my toes mm. because I knew that this guy. <laughs> there was no room for error. No, I couldn't give him a foothold. No room mm. for error, yes. Mm. So we had those challenges. Um, also in terms of some things, like I remember telling him, even before I said officially yes, he has to come and meet my pastor. He was like, what does that mean? 
<laughs> wow. Why like should I come and meet your yes pastor? Yes, I was being all formal and I said, you know, before we really make the relationship really formal, come and meet my so did pastor. You, did you see a future? I saw a future in my heart, but these, you these stories were confusing me. Mm. Um, I, I felt like he liked me. I really did feel that. And he showed me in different ways that he was interested. Um, but there were definitely differences of opinion that we had to work through. Mm. So, yes. Interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I know sex is such a, is such a big deal in, in our generation. And, you know, I'm sure, before you say anything, we are in the same generation. Amen. All of us. We are all in the same generation. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, I know it's such a big deal. And I know, um, even as Christians, we struggle. Let's not lie. I mean, Christians in the relationship, we struggle with, oh, we, we have to establish boundaries. And I find you, you, your story very interesting because here you were, you were already on the path, on the journey, you were on fire for God, and then you were dating someone who was not as um, involved with Jesus as you were. And so being able to very clearly from day one establish those boundaries was important. And I love his, <laughs> he was such a real man. <laughs> like, don't take me there. You do it, we're not going back. Interesting. All right, um, talk to us about, uh, so moving on from there and then just dating generally, where, what were the attributes that you saw in him that sort of, you know, just got you falling and forgetting your vision of a microphone holding bishop man of God, you know, and you just thought it's got to be this guy, it has to be this. What were the specifics that kept you hooked? Okay, so firstly, of course, he was handsome. Um, <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome. Um, he was very focused in terms of, he had a very clear vision of where he wanted to be, and he didn't let anything distract him. So he's always been into software development, and he's always said, this is what he's going to do with it. And he had, you know, this thing he was going to do, and he was very focused and hardworking about it. He was a man of integrity. His word, he very, very strongly held on to his word, anything he said. Um, I remember doing due diligence and going around asking people that knew him. And it was interesting. A lot of what people said was, he's a man of integrity. And hello, we are young. People don't really use those words to describe people. So if someone says, oh, he's a man of integrity, and this was guys, his fellow guys, I thought, okay, interesting. And then I spoke to also female friends that he had as well, and they all said similar things about him. You know. He would always fight to keep his word. I thought that was very interesting. Um, I also liked, he was very caring, the real family man, his mother and his sister held them like gold standard, treated them so delicately, so well. He was like a father to his younger brother, very responsible. And yes, a heart for God was... <laughs> Not completely there yet, but you saw the potential. I saw the seed. Yes, yes, yes very important. <laughs> the seed. Okay. So um, uh, let's go back to scripture now. So we see in, in the scripture that I just read in verse 25 how that both Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Yes. You know, and I had said earlier that this was God's original intention. You know, um, this is God's intention, actually. The fact that sin then came and turned things around does not mean it was never God's idea. With marriage, that's, that's always been God's intention. But we, we find that even in a dating relationship, there is some 
level of nakedness and unashamedness, forgive me if there is no such word, that is also required, uh, what do you think? Especially in respect to, or with regards to communication. Mm. So I find that a lot of young people these days, we don't, um, we don't talk enough. We're probably in bed more than we talk. And for you guys, there was no bed. So you had to talk. Yes. Okay. Now, so help me understand. At the point where you guys were discussing your past, because I'm sure that you guys, you and I have spoken, and I, I know you told me that you guys had to discuss your past in depth. So how did you, you had a past. He, you, he was on his own journey. So it, it was easier for him to express himself than it was for you. How did you handle discussing your past? Because he met you as already born again. So how, how did you talk about it? So it was interesting. So I spoke about when we met, I was a Christian, tongue speaking and all that. Um, but I had a past. And so because when we met, I was already in church. He already knew me as, you know, uh, Minister Dami, Spirit Coco and all that. Um, I mean, he later told me that actually before he started really toasting me, he had asked that, ah, this sister, will she even answer me or will she tell me everything Christ has been trying to tell me in the past 12 years? And someone has said, no, she's actually down to earth. You can talk to her. So that kind of impression he had about me. So when we started dating, um, and the lead up to when I saw that, look, it's a serious relationship, and wedding night will come, and I didn't want any surprises for either party, <laughs> I decided, okay, fine, I need to let him know that I have a past. Yes, I'm a Christian, blood washed. But before I came to Christ, I had done some things as well, you know, so I remember telling him, I mean, as we went along, I would say a few things. As I said, even from day one, we spoke about ex-boyfriends. But then as I saw that the relationship was getting more serious, I started telling him about things that I had done. I had had sex before um, I gave my life to Christ. And so to be honest, <laughs> it was a struggle for me to, you know, sort of tell him about my past. Yes, having met me, you know, as a Christian, so I sat him down and I spoke to him about it. And the first thing he said is, I don't want to know your past. Of course, I assume you have some sort of past, but I'm not interested. I met you this way. I like you this way and stuff, which I really appreciated. But I felt like it was important for me to still tell him because I didn't want it to come to him ever as a surprise. Or maybe someone saw him somewhere, mentioned something. So I, I you know, dug deep and shared about past relationships and perhaps things I had done that I was not so proud of. And he took it well. Um, I mean, I think part of it was um, he himself was on a journey. So he understood that, look, life is not always, it is me, obviously, that I am. <laughs> so <laughs> even you. Be there, don't that. Yeah, exactly. So we had that, we laughed about it. And then, you know, I'm really grateful he, he, he really didn't make a big deal of it. And I say this lightly, but I know that it's really difficult sometimes for women to, particularly if a guy meets you as a Christian, to share your past, you know. And what I, what I say is that, look, if he's the right person, he, it's not going to be an issue for him. It's not going to be a deal breaker for him. And it's, for you, it's also a test to let you know whether this is someone I want to spend the rest of my life with. If I can't be vulnerable with you about things I've done in the past, really, you know, the things I'm going to do in the future that I need to share with you. So if I can't even share with the ones that I've gotten over, the blood of Jesus has covered, how can I, you know, progress with you? So. 
So which brings me to the question, so how important is that information? What do you think? Um, I mean, we can move on from it. The, the guy wasn't there when these things happened. Does he have to know? Or the girl wasn't there when these things happened. Does she have to know that I've been down this road? You know, because I'm sure somebody here is thinking and asking, are you saying that everything that I have done in my entire life before I met you, um, you know, maybe re in relationally, I have to open up and start vomiting? You know, what do you, what, what do you say to that? So for me, I don't think it's literally a, oh, when I was 13, I did this. When I was 14 and a half, I did this. No. I think it's more, of course, the highlights and the things you think are important that someone that's going to embrace you for all that you are needs to know. So for me, sexual past, definitely, for me, it's important that he was able to embrace me for all that I am, and I felt that I should share that. I think it's key because you just never know what can happen. And then when something, what, some information comes out and you haven't shared it, you look like a liar or you're hiding something and then you have to walk through that process. So I think as much as you can share, the Holy Spirit will also help you. He'll prompt you in terms of what to share, what not to share. I had that a lot, you know. <laughs> There's a dream somebody had about me. Maybe we had been dating, in fact, we have been talking marriage. It was close to, you know when you feel like, ah, this guy's gonna propose anytime soon. Somebody had a dream and, you know, they saw, uh, they saw, you know, something that denoted maybe there were uh, sexual experiences in my past that I had to deal with, that I, need to, that I needed to prayerfully deal with. And this is not just somebody. My sister had this dream. And I told him about it, and we prayed about it together because a part of me thought, never will I say this dream to him. But, and then I said, look, if I'm going to marry this person and we're going to be together forever, I'm going to trust him with my life. Why would I not be able to trust him with this information? I shared the dream with him and we're able to pray about it together, you know, and by God's grace, I, I have no, you know, no issues from my past experiences or whatever has come to ever disturb me or haunt us or whatever in, in our marriage or our relationship. So I, I am for honesty and for mm, frank honesty. openness and vulnerability. Okay, so at what point do you determine when to share? I know you had sort of alluded to that, but you can't meet a guy on day one or you meet a girl day one and you start sharing, or even month one, but at what point? I know you have also said that, you know, as led by the Spirit of God, you would know which information is critical to, to be shared, but at what point do you encourage people to start to be that open? So definitely, as the relationship progresses and you get to know each other better, um, and you, to be honest, I know we're all in the same generation, but I feel like this generation, dating is different, kind of. So, but I would say within, I don't want to put a time to it, but once you believe that this thing is getting serious, I want to fully commit, then you need to begin to tell them about things that you think they should know, and vice versa. Um, Holy Spirit, I keep saying that for me was critical. You know, he would prompt me on things to share. Uh, not just about sexual experiences, about health issues I had, about financial uh, situations we both had. I would get promptings or circumstances would happen that would bring it to fore and I would seize the opportunity to have the conversation. So let's ride on what, what you've just spoken about now. So health and um, even finances. So 
can you share your naked and unashamed moments, either while dating or even in marriage, your first few years of marriage? What were those um, naked and unashamed moments with health, for example? Okay, so can I start with finances? Because it's a very funny story. So when I met my husband, I was already a lawyer. I was a practicing lawyer. I was working in one of the biggest law firms. Um, so that was part of my packaging for him, obviously, you know. And he was working to, in a software company. So um, I had prayed about this internship opportunity. I was in Nigeria, he was in England. I prayed about this internship opportunity in England. Very serious prayers about this really big law firm in England. And the opportunity came and I was very happy. And I took it. So I went and I was also excited because it meant we would both get to spend more time together. So I went to England, I moved to England. But what my husband didn't know was that internship, initially they had told me that it would be paid, or at least that's what I understood. But when I got to England and it started, they told me that it was unpaid. And I thought, <laughs> I quit my job in Nigeria, I carried my head to London, and then you will tell me that it's unpaid. Okay, what about transport and lunch? Nothing. Wow. I was really confused. But I didn't, you know, so, I mean, I was not married, so I called my father. But think about it, I told everybody, hey, I'm going for this paid opportunity in England, blah, blah, blah. I don't need your money, independent woman, daddy, I'll call you later, you know. So I had gone to <laughs> England, and so one and I got there, and they didn't tell me this before I resumed, they told me after I resumed. But, you know, I had prayed about it, so I knew that God wanted me to do this thing, so I couldn't even quit. So I said, okay. <laughs> I will do it, and I will do it unpaid. You know, it was for six months. God will help me. So I called my dad, and I explained, very humbly explained the situation to him. <laughs> and he said, okay, oh, ye independent lawyer. Um, I'll do what I can, but certainly it's not gonna, I'm not putting you on a fixed monthly, you know, stipend like you were when you were properly under my care. I'll send you every now and then, but I'm sure you'll be fine. you eat, and you'll be accommodated, but... All your other excesses, that's your business. So I said, okay, no problem. But of course, I had this spanking new software developer boyfriend. So I was just packaging myself. I didn't know how to tell him that, ah, I don't really have money anymore. <laughs> so interestingly, after, but I had a sister. I was living with my sister. I was not paying rent, and I was eating. So that was about it. So after about a month, one day, um, Tolu said to me, so this, I don't even know how he clued on. I actually don't know. So this role that you're doing, how's it going? I said, it's going well and all that. I said, okay, um, so how well are they paying you? Mm. <laughs> and I said, well. So I could either say, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, as a big girl, I'm okay. But then I took the opportunity and I said, okay, you know what happened? Can you believe that when I got there, this is the story they told me. I mean, we have been dating for about six weeks. So I said, okay, this is the story they told me. They said they're not going to pay me. You know, that it was a misunderstanding, it's unpaid, and all that. And he was like, oh, really? So how have you been eating for the past one month that you've been doing the job? And I said, look, you know, my dad sends me money every now and then, and, you know, I'm just getting by. I said, okay, okay, no problem. And he left it. The next day, he sent me over a thousand pounds into my account. <laughs> wow. As in, I was confused. And he said, you know, let me know if you need anything. More wow. 
guys, like, <laughs> guys, there you have it. <laughs> I and you know, for me, the money was great, but it was more the thought, the fact that he he cared to ask and not just ask. As we prayed, he did something about it. It wasn't just mouth. He actually did something about it, you know. So yeah, that that for me was a moment where I had to be vulnerable, and it, it, the returns were good. Because I'm sure somebody here is thinking, mm, I've shared a similar story, but where did it end? It ended with him leaving me, or it ended with her leaving me. Or with a hug. Or with a hug. And a, a, a kiss on the cheek or something. That's it, you know. But guys, for real. Um, I, so here was somebody who, who had the heart and also had capacity. Mm. I know sometimes in life, you might be dating somebody who just doesn't have the capacity at that moment. Mm. But do they care enough to, to find out? To, mm. to Whether it's even to pray with you, mm -hmm. you know, to check on you. Sorry, I have, I, can I send you Kellogg's conflicts or something, you yeah, know? But yeah, can, yeah. what are they doing? Are they, I'm sure some people are like, yeah, right. You know, but for real, because he had capacity and so he could do something about it. But what if he hadn't done anything about it? How would you have felt? I know you guys are married now, so that's kind of like behind, but what do you think? No, if he did not he have, didn't have any expectation, actually. No expectation. If he did not have the capacity, and he, no, if he asked, if he didn't ask, for me, it would, to be honest, I didn't, if he didn't ask, it would have been a red flag, because one of my uncles had told me that, look, if you are dating a man, he comes to your house, he eats, and he goes home, he has never once asked, who's paying for this food? Who's paying your electricity? Who's paying your rent? Never. It's a red flag. It's a red flag, you know, just ask. So if he didn't ask, yeah, it might be a bit of a red flag. But if he asked and he wasn't able to do anything, but at least he prayed with me or encouraged me, don't worry, you know, I know God told you to do it. God will see. To be honest, I would have been happy with that. I would have been happy with that. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. So let's speak about health quickly, because you did mention um, having to be vulnerable regarding your health and his health. You, you want to talk to us about that? Yes, so one of the things that we also experienced when we're dating is um, I had fibroids, um, and it didn't occur to me again to mention it. Again, it's not, don't start dating somebody and start telling them about yeah. the fibroids in your womb or whatever. So. Um, I can't remember what brought up the topic. I think I had some pain. I had to go to the hospital. And then when I came back, I explained to him that, yes, I've been battling um, fibroids on and off for a few years, but it doesn't really affect me. So I, I've not really done much about it, you know. And I remember I was discussing with Pastor Busola. I was saying how happy I was that we actually had that conversation because when we then got married, um, the fibroids took another direction and they started giving us serious problems, me, serious problem, serious pain. So it first of all started with the fact that monthly I would have at least three days of critical back pain. And my husband would be massaging my back and just allowing me to rest and ministering to me. And not stressing Ministering. Me. Ministering. <laughs> I remember this is all within year one of marriage, you know. Before we knew it, things quickly, you know, degenerated. And to cut a long story short, I had to have an operation, you know, and for me it was a real vulnerability. So we had to discuss, of course, my health background. I had to be very open and vulnerable with him on that. Um, when it was time to have the operation, I'll link it again to finances because you touched on something. 
after we got married, so remember what my husband had done to show me that he was my Boaz. After we got married, <laughs> he quit his job and started a business. And so, of course, financially, things took a turn. But I finished my internship and got a good job in a law firm. So the tables, <laughs> the tables turned, right? But, you know, we didn't even have to have a conversation about, so what's going to happen about finances? Because it was already established in our dating that what was yours is mine, what was mine is yours. Do you understand? He had been there for me in a way that nobody had been in a long time. And I knew that with his money, he was ready to give me everything to take care of me. So when I was earning and he wasn't, it was exactly that, you know. He was still very much in control of our finances. When the time came to have the operation, I actually decided to quit my job at the time and just focus on my health. So again, I was back to not earning. And incidentally, his business took off at that time. And he had funds. So everything concerning my operation, I was flown out of the country and all that. He funded it. He took care of it completely. I stayed in England for about three months. He paid for everything. I was not working. So, you know, for me, it really reminded me that a lot of the way you manage things in marriage, you set the tone in your dating relationship, you know. After my operation, I had a, you know, they had to cut my tummy. And so I now had, after I was stitched up, I now had a big um, mark on my stomach. My eight size, you know, that he married. And within a year, you're now with a woman who now has a mark. First of all, you're bloated for like three months. And then secondly, there's a mark. And, you know, Mazda was so amazing. He never made me feel, you know, any less of a woman. I really still continue to feel naked and unashamed, you know, because he didn't make a big deal of it. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Please, let's appreciate Pastor Tolu in his absence. <laughs> He's such a good man. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank God. Thank God for that. Okay, so... Um, I love the stories you share because they're very practical. And I'm sure that if everybody here, you, there's one, two lessons that you can pick and just even apply to your life. So because in this generation, I remember when PG was here two weeks ago and he was talking, that's Pastor Godman, and he was talking about openness. And he spoke about financial openness. And one of my darling sisters actually just said, lie, lie. When he said, what is mine is, that we, we may say, what is mine is mine. What is yours is ours, you know. And I know that, uh, to be honest, there's, there's been so many experiences, negative experiences that have informed this position where women have become very uncomfortable just sharing their financial resource. Because your money is almost your life, literally, you know. You earn it, you, you work hard for it, and then you feel like, I'm just going to go and put it at the table for one man to come and be making decisions over, you know. So I love what you have shared because it is very important that we know, see, all the lovey-dovey in, in, in the dating phase, life happens when you marry. In marriage, there are seasons. There are seasons and you guys have experienced seasons where one person was the one who was financially on top and then there was a, a switch. The man is the head regardless. Whether he's earning a million bucks or something happens, it starts to earn 100K or it doesn't even earn anything at all. You know, how do we posture in such moments? But like you've rightly pointed out, it starts with your dating relationship. You set this tone in the dating relationship, which is why at the end of the day, you need to be sure who you are getting, you know, hooked to eventually. 
Because if, it, if you don't, another question which we raised at the panel session last week was, can you trust someone with, you, the person you're currently in a relationship with, can you trust them with all areas of your life? And if you cannot check at about 70%, then there is a problem. Because there are other parts that will show up and you know that in marriage you can walk through these things, but there should be that 70% that is non-negotiable, that you can tick and say, I trust this person with this, this, and this. But if, if you're struggling in answering that question very clearly right now, logically, not emotionally, you know, then there is a big problem. Okay, so the last thing I'd like for you to touch on before we wrap up is communication in general. I know I've spoken about how that we don't talk so much in this generation. We're not as open and as expressive, not to talk of being vulnerable with information. Um, how has that worked for you guys, dating and into marriage? Um, so you are a talker. Yes. Pastor Tolu is not necessarily a talker. He only says what needs to be said, when it needs to be said. Exactly. So how have you guys handled that? Very interesting. So when we're dating, um you know, as, as uh, Pastor Busola said, I'm a talker. I'm more than being a talker. My love language is uh, words of affirmation. So I'm the kind of person that, I can, when I get home now, I'll tell my husband, did you watch me praying? How was it? Did you feel the spirit? You know, I've, I want him to say, yes, damn it, well, you know, did you, you know, I like words, you know. And, but my husband, as she said, is very, uh, what's the word? Careful. <laughs> He's very careful with his words, and as, an, as a person, he's very stoic. He's not, he doesn't show emotions easily. So I'm sure people that work with him know that. He's just, he's quite, you know, focused. Anyhow, so when we're dating, it was a big issue for me because, can you imagine, I said I love you to my husband before he said it to me. And it wasn't on the same day. Yeah. Yes, I still harass him about this, you know. <laughs> You know, so my husband is literally the person, you say, I love you. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a big issue, really big issue for me because, as I said, you know, I'm the sort of person, I wake up in the morning, I come to your house, I want you to say, wow, you're looking great. I know, but I want you to say it, you know. So initially, he was very defensive and he would say, you know, when I, when I explained to him that, look, I want you to say you look good, I want you to say, oh, you're doing great. He says, okay, but do you know you're doing great? <laughs> so why do you need me to say it? How about I just tell you where there's an issue? No, you, you, I want you to say you're doing great. I want you to say you're beautiful. No, but I told you last year that. So that's the kind of person he is. Anyhow, um, when he, there's a time I almost broke up with him over it. And so what his response was to write me a love note or how much he loves me and everything, but guess what, he still did not say it. <laughs> he wrote, I love you, I, you know, you know I love you, I really appreciate it. Letter, you know, bought me this, took me, but did not say I love you. And, you know, I prayed about it because it was really an issue for me and how I managed that, and I think what kept me going was that he was showing me that he loved me in other ways. So my husband is very big on acts of service. He was really, really, like he would come out, come, take me out, pick me up, take me to work when I needed it, drop me there. He would help my sisters, he would help my parents, he would just give me stuff, he would do research for me, he would review documents. He, would, he was just, you know, very hands-on and would show me, provide for me, help me in any way that I needed. But 
He will not say, I love you. So, so I was left in no doubt that he loved me because of the things he did. Mm. So eventually, as we got to know each other better and we started talking more, I realized that, you know, for him, it was linked to um, sort of things that he had experienced in his childhood growing up. My husband had gone through a phase of bullying. He had experienced rejection at some point. And that had led him to be very, very miserly with his words because he just, he's careful about what he says so that he doesn't get something back in return that he doesn't appreciate and will make him close. But it was through conversation and talking and really getting to know each other that I saw that part of him. And when I saw that, it was easier for me to accept and embrace. So where we are now, I was saying to Pastor Busola that, look, the truth is, I'm still not at the point where I wake up every morning and my husband says, wow, behold your beauty this morning. No, he's not, he's not that kind of person and he probably will never be. But we've met each other halfway. I now know how to accept love outside of words of affirmation. But he now speaks a little bit more just because he knows that. For me, it's a big deal. So that's where we are. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. This is such a critical part um, that you've just shared because I know it is for people, especially people whose love languages are words of affirmation, it's a deal breaker. I mean, how can you be dating someone? Not even talk about marrying the person and the person has never said to you, I love you. I'm sure some women here, that's the end though. Like, that is the end. We're not moving, we're not, make, we're not moving forward. And you know, for guys too, it's probably, I don't know what your own love language is and you feel like the woman is not even making an effort. But it's either that's how she's just not wired or something, you know, and for you it's also that is a deal breaker. And you're not looking at the other parts, mm. you know, that make up this individual and how yes. they are, you know, how can, I, how can I translate this acts of service to my own love language and just understand and interpret it with the eyes that I, uh, you know, that I desire to, what I want is what I'm getting out of it. It's, it's so critical, guys. And it's, a, it's such a huge lesson here. We, I mean, we can go on and on. If we ask all the married men here, Pastor Biodo, Pastor Femi, you know, and even myself to share, I'm sure we would all tell you categorically that some of the things we wanted, we did not get. For you that you're looking for a man that will open the door for you, you wait, you will wait for a bit. You yeah. may or may not. You may find, actually, <laughs> let me not crush your dreams. Or you're, or you're waiting for someone who serves you breakfast in bed every day. Or, you know, I don't know what unrealistic expectations we have. Or you have postured a certain way. You have taken a position based off of what you have seen your father and your mother deal with. You know, something that was missing. And you're like, I will never marry a man that says or, uh, you know, voice, you, just does something. I'm even struggling to remember the, the examples I can use now. But you, you've seen your father never say to your mother, I love you, and you have taken a position to say, I will never marry a man who doesn't tell me that he loves me. I have to hear it at least once a week. And God then helps you because he's in the business of you know, shaping and forming and just ensuring that our character becomes better and gives you a pastor to but you're so blinded because of the experiences you've had that you fail to see the other side of the person, the other things they're doing to prove to you that they love you and you're waiting for this one thing and that one thing has become a deal breaker. Now guys, don't get me wrong, there are things that definitely should be deal breakers, but I love you, saying words of affirmation is what Pastor Dami has spoken about today and for her, she had to come to the place where it would not be, imagine what she would have missed out on because if you are taking a position to say, this guy doesn't talk, 
He doesn't express himself. He doesn't tell me that I look good. He doesn't tell me I'm doing great. He doesn't tell me he appreciates me. I don't feel valued. Meanwhile, she shuts all the other aspects of the things that this man is doing, okay? Um, thank you so much for sharing. And to just bring this all together, the same scripture we read in uh, Genesis 2.25, uh, um, where the man and the woman were naked and unashamed, is what we've been talking about. Uh, but we don't see what happens when sin comes into play. Remember, God's intention is for us in marriage to be naked and unashamed, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, with physical, we'll put um, things like finances under that um, space there. Let's not let our negative experiences, the ex that treated you wrongly, you, you were better, you are, you are better, you deserve better, yes, but don't let the experience from that ex cause you to harden your heart such that you then fail to see you know, the one that God is preparing for you or the one that is right before you, that is trying to love you, trying to get access to you, but you're so caught up in living and dealing and you have not completely healed from your past and you are literally shooting yourself in the foot and not allowing yourself just receive love and, and give love. Okay, I, I would like us to pray. I'd like us to pray. And it's a simple prayer this morning. You're asking God to... Just the Holy Spirit should go into the deepest parts of you. The areas where you need to make adjustments, you should make it known. Those positions you have taken in your heart, the stance you are currently taking, that you know, you don't feel so good about that stance. But it is informed either by the things you've experienced, the things you are seeing, the things that we've heard stories of, of people, real people who've gone through issues, dealt with their issues, you know, and moved and, and, and are in a thriving and successful marriage. And this counts for something because this is what God wants. God is not looking for two perfect people to come together. He's looking for two available people, two people who, whose hearts are ready to make things work. That is what God wants. People who are committed to ensuring that they are building a home for him. And so if you're that person here today and you know that there are things limiting you from entering fully into your marital destiny, things that are currently, that stand before you like a, a wall that needs to be pulled down, would you begin to talk to God this morning and ask him to please come in and, and help address those issues? Whatever um, mindsets you have, whatever belief systems that have been designed by experiences, by pain, by hurts, you know, by seeing your mother being badly treated by your dad, by seeing some uncle or some auntie just having a hard time in marriage and you have taken a position, I will never make my funds available in marriage. The man should be earning, he should provide completely through and through. And just, you're not posturing as a helpmate, you're not posturing as one, as a team player. You know, we're asking this morning that the Holy Spirit should help us it should help us address these faulty mindsets. It should help us address that the word you have received will go into, the Bible says that the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's a life. You know, it, it pierces to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. It corrects um, intentions. It discern, it's a discerner of thoughts. Whatever thoughts, whatever position you have taken in your heart, whatever intent um, is currently in your heart that is limiting you from fully entering into your marital destiny, whatever you may have heard, 
that you're holding on to and has become a root of offense or bitterness and is stopping you from giving yourself fully in your relationship, would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you tonight? Would you let go? Let go of the pain. Would you let go of the hurt? Would you let go of those faulty mindsets and begin to engage the scriptures, begin to understand? We see how sin would deprive Adam and Eve from being the people that God had created them to be originally. We see how they were naked and unashamed before with themselves and with God. But by the time sin came to play, they put on a covering. They became ashamed to even fellowship with God. If there is sin that is hindering you from, you know, um, entering fully into your marital destiny, from fully expressing the life God has given to you, living that life of joy, becoming that person who is, who is attractive enough in character, you have become some something else something completely different because your experiences have shaped you as such this morning we're asking the holy spirit to pull down every wall to pull down every wall in our minds to pull down in our character whatever needs to be fixed right now we're trusting that god will do his work in us in the name of the lord jesus christ father lord we thank you we thank you for everybody here we thank you for everybody watching we thank you father lord because we know that the plans you have for us are good and the relationships you have for us are good. Father Lord, we open up our hearts to you today and we ask that your healing power will flow, Father Lord. You visit all the past experiences, Father Lord, that are speaking now to hold us back from experiencing the fullness of love that you have in store for us. Father Lord, we lay it at your feet and we ask that your Holy Spirit will bring healing, Father Lord, will bring fresh understanding in the name of Jesus. Father Lord, we ask, Father Lord, if there's anything, Father Lord, from our past or even from our present, from culture or from, from things we've seen in social media or on TV that are informing us wrongly of how love should look, Father Lord, we ask that even now you begin to correct those assertions in our hearts, Father Lord, that we will see love through your eyes, Father Lord. We'll have a fresh understanding of your love, Father Lord, that we will open our hearts to receive love as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved the church, Father Lord. That is a standard of love, Father Lord. We open our hearts today to receive that measure of love, not just from you, Father Lord, but also from each other, and to, be, to have the capacity to give and receive that sort of love. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.